Hi, this is Ruth Friedman, and I serve as the Maharat at Ohev Shalom, the National Synagogue in Washington, D.C. And welcome back to my weekly Parsha podcast, Life Imitates Torah. And this week we read Parshat Mishpatim, which, as the title of the Parsha indicates, is predominantly a series of civil laws, meaning laws governing how we govern each other and what happens when someone does something wrong, and also how we should treat each other. And it's there's been a lot written about what how this series of laws coheres about its location in the Torah specifically, and we're not going to focus on that today. What I wanted to do today is consider the way that God frames these laws to the Israelites, and more specifically, how God communicates these to the Israelites. Now, a lot of people have noted that Mishpatim, this parsha, begins with the first law that is that God gives to the people is Ki tikne eved ivri, when you acquire a Hebrew slave. Now we could imagine that that is pretty striking for the Israelites. They've been redeemed only a few months beforehand from slavery in Egypt. They've just gotten the Ten Commandments, some laws about you know keeping Shabbos, revering God, etc. And now God says, oh, and here are going to be some more laws for you. And by the way, the first one is when you get a Hebrew slave, when you get a slave of your fellow person. And you can imagine that this like would have totally captured the attention of the Israelites and caused them to stand up straighter and quite frankly, caused them to be a little bit freaked out. I mean, they've just been redeemed from slavery. Why would they think that they're now going to have Hebrew slaves? But I think where we could argue, God is saying these are really important laws. And lots of people discuss this. Why start with laws of slavery? Well, it's to show that first and foremost, if you ever are in a position where you could do this to some other person, you have to do it with as much integrity and dignity and fairness for that person as possible. But that's really a separate conversation. What we want to focus on today is the fact that it is in second person, the first of these laws, kitikne, when you acquire. Now, interestingly, we then immediately pivot to third person. From now on, when we talk about the laws of the slave, the Hebrew slaves, and afterwards, many more civil laws come after that, it is now all in the third person. If a person does X, Y, or Z to another person. So with that first, first law, Kitikna, the Israelites have been invited to stand up straight and to see themselves as being participants in the law. But then right afterwards, we switch to third person. And now they spend a while hearing a bunch of laws about one person who's not them doing something to another person. And if you pay attention during the Parsha, you see that that third person actually continues for a long time. There's laws about what if one person's ox scores another ox? What if someone steals? What if you're looking after something for someone and it gets damaged or it's an animal dies, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It's all about other people, other people. But interestingly, we then do switch back to speaking in the second person when God speaks directly to the people. And that's the law specifically of protecting the vulnerable. When it comes to protecting the poor, the stranger, the orphan, and the widow, both protecting and making sure you don't take advantage of them, that's when God switches back to second person. God speaks to the people directly. Now, remember, we're talking about the experience of the Israelites listening to these laws today. 
So they've had their attention seized by that first opening, Kitikna, when you acquire Nevedivri. Then God is switched back to the third person for a while, for many, many laws. And I would imagine that, you know, when you start to hear a series of hypothetical situations about someone else who's not you, you might start to fade a little bit at a certain point. You say, okay, these are hypotheticals. These are things I'll need to know for a future time. The types of things you file away somewhere so that you have them on hand, but not something you need to be able to recall off the top of your mind immediately. And I would think that you start to, you know, you, st you start to tone out a little bit. You don't pay as much attention. So, but then God switches them back on in chapter 22. It's, uh, it, you know, by saying when you, right, you are going to protect the poor. You are going to protect the stranger. Now you've got to perk up again. You've got to pay attention because God is saying to them directly, you are going to be in the situation and you are going to have to know what to do here. And you will be punished if you do something wrong. And then, by the way, the rest of the series of the laws are, <clears throat> excuse me, continue to be as you. You carries it through the end. So, but it's not just you, third person, and then back to you. There's something else interesting and very, very subtle that happens. The word, and what it is, that is, is the use of the word Russia, a, a wicked person. And that word is used twice in the Parsha. It's used first in chapter 23, verse 1, and again in chapter 23, verse 7. And by the time we're in chapter 23, we're already back in the second person. We've gone through all the laws of the third person, and now we're back in the second person in the laws of protecting the poor, the stranger, the orphan, the widow, etc. And so the first pasuk in chapter 23 says, Lo tisa shema shav al yadcha imrasha lihiyot eid chamas. A very important law. You must not carry false rumors. You shall not join, join hands with the guilty to act as a malicious witness. Now here I read the JPS translation. You should not join hands with the guilty. But really the Hebrew is you should not join hands with the Russia, right? So what that means, what this pasuk is saying is there are bad people. There are Russias out there who testify falsely against other people. And you had better not get involved with that, right? There are people who do bad things to other people you you better not you better make sure you do not get involved with that that you don't become partner with them in that action now this is important because it's speaking in the second person but what's very interesting is it's saying that as we said there are bad people out there you are not one of them but you need to make sure you don't get involved with them it's very interesting what this is doing here what god is doing is saying to the people I don't think any of you are the bad guys, but there are bad guys out there. And you might be tempted to do something bad along with them, but you have to make sure that you don't. And now we move to the second use of the word Russia, and that's in chapter 23 still, just a few verses later in verse seven. A very interesting pasuk. Midvar sheker tirchak, tzadik al taharog, now you can hear in my tone that it's really three separate clauses. Keep far from a false charge. Right? Keep far from something, 
a lie, something, but this, we're talking about it within the legal system, which is why it's false charge. The next clause, do not bring death on those who are innocent and in the right. Naki vetzadik. And then the third, kiloatzdik rasha, for I will not acquit the wrongdoer. Now, the translation here, again, is JPS, and I think it's because it, it, it makes sense in the context. I will not acquit the wrongdoer, the bad person. Now, this verse itself is actually kind of confusing to understand. If you look at the mafarshim, at the commentaries, the majority, in fact, all the ones I saw, and as I always say, if you see someone else, you find someone saying something different, please email me and tell me. I would love to hear from you. But what they see this as meaning is, don't get involved in false things in testimony. Also, if someone who you think is guilty or who you know is guilty ends up being acquitted by the courts, right? They become a nakiv at sadiq. Don't kill them. Don't go trying to punish them. As Rashi makes clear what, from the Gemara, et cetera, what this is saying is if someone is found um, innocent by the courts or acquitted, and then they come out and they say, and then there's proof that they actually did it, well, you can't go after them and go do it. Once they've been acquitted, they've been acquitted. So you can't, you can't take justice into your own hands. And then the third clause in that context, I will not acquit the wrongdoer. What, what a lot of people argue is that because what God is saying here is don't take justice into your, into your own hands because don't worry, I'll make sure that that person gets their due, right? Even if they weren't convicted by the courts in this world and therefore they won't be punished, don't worry, says God, I'll make sure that they get their own in the next world. Now, like I said, that's the dominant way of understanding this pasuk, but actually when I read it, I understood it differently. What I thought this pasuk was saying is Midvar Shekir Tirchak, right? Stay far away from lies. And the Nakiva Tzadik Al Taharog, right? Don't get involved with, with lying and therefore getting people who are innocent punished. And then Kilo Atzdik Rasha is because I will, I, God, I will not judge a Russia favorably. Now, when you synthesize all of that together, what I understand this pursuit to be saying is don't get involved with bad stuff. Don't start to toy with lies. Don't start to convict with convicting people who are innocent, with acting with corrupt courts. Why, says God? Not because I'm going to punish you, but because at that point, you become the Russia. And once you become the Russia, God says, lo atstik Russia. I'm not in the business of saving Russia's. I'm not in the business, says God, of just saying, oh, well, you know what? You fixed your problem. You know, you're okay. This was an isolated event. Don't worry. Most of the time you're fine. Right? What he, God is saying here is you're, you reach the point where if you do something bad, you actually become the Russia. And once you become the Russia, you don't leave that category. It's not something you can just bounce in and out of. You go from being the ish, which is talked about in this um this chapter, right? An Isha person does something else. You're now the Russia himself. Now it's interesting because then God pivots once again and talks about Shemitah and Shabbos and the Chagim and all of that. It's actually a brilliant communication strategy of striking a balance between communicating to the people that there are laws and these laws are very serious. And there will also be temptations to exploit the vulnerable to commit crimes and try to lie about them. 
to try to use the system for your own gain. But God says, you can't do that. And not only can you not do that, you can't opt in and then opt out of that system. Once you do something that's bad enough, you become a Russia. But God only throws that in there and it's thrown in there in a subtle way because we need to understand the Pasuk in a certain way in order to be able to, to, to hop that that's what it's saying. And then God immediately switches back to, to, civil law, to, to religious laws that don't have to do with this anymore. It's an incredible balance between warning them that there's bad stuff in the world, but also not threatening them and saying to them, you inevitably will become bad. God's portraying a world in which there is a temptation to evil, but it's not the most dominant characteristic of that, of that society. It's just a component of the society. And I think it's a beautiful way of communicating a series of laws to a people that doesn't live by laws that we know of, other than do whatever the Egyptians tell you or else you're going to be beaten and punished more. And now God's saying, there are all these laws that govern how you act. Here are all the things you can and can't do. But God says, don't worry. You, you know, you, there, there are things you can and can't do, but the system is not designed to overwhelm you. And I just wanted to add one more thing. I think that, that that's a beautiful way of looking at it in the Torah, but I think it's also really relevant to our society today and to specifically in America today. We've got a lot of people indirectly on trial right now in public in the United States. And there's a question of what is the source of badness? Who is the Russia? And who is the person who just partnered with the Russia, who just got sucked in? Now, sometimes there are people who just get sucked in with something who's, that's bad and they make a mistake. And I think you can do that without becoming the Russia. But I think there's also a risk that some people go a little bit too far and they think that they can partner with the Russia sometimes, but still preserve their status as an ish, as a otherwise presumptively good person who just did an isolated bad thing. And here this Parsha is sending us, God sending us a powerful message. And know at a certain point when you participate in bad systems and systems of lies, and systems of corruption, you don't just become a participant in them, you become part of that system. And once you do, you can't just assume you can exit that so easily. You become, you take on that identity at a certain point of that bad person, and you become in that category and not just someone who can move in and out of it. Good job, Is.